Thoughts with the Woodsman Preacher. This is Pastor Josh. I have with me here a group of teenagers that I'm going to ask them all kinds of questions that um, they're already dreading answering, which is totally fine because I'm going to make them do it anyway. Um, but yeah, if you are a parent of one of these teenagers listening, um, you can go ahead and tune out now because it's all secret and you are not allowed to know it. Uh, no, just kidding. So, um, yeah, this is going to give you guys a perspective from youth today, from their culture, from their generation. Uh, so yeah, that's what it's intended to do. So here's my first question to you guys. Okay, this is just kind of a warm-up sort of thing. What is your biggest fear? Now I'm not talking about like fear of the dark or like fear of falling or anything like that. But like, what's your what's the thing that you're most afraid of? Um, you know, it could be something like failure. It could be fear of being alone for the rest of your life or not being able to. I don't know, make money in the strange economy that we have now. But yeah, so what's your guys' biggest fear? So I'm not like scared of the dark or spiders or anything right. <laughs> like that. But I think one of mine is that somebody would like either turn away from the Lord or do something terrible to themselves because of something I said or did. Oh, I okay. don't think I would be able to fully function with the guilt from that. Right, right. Yeah, I, I had a couple of friends growing up that, that committed suicide. Yeah. yeah. And I, I can remember looking back at it and be like, was it an interaction that I had with them? Mm -hmm. Or if I could have said something, would it have been any different? So yeah, that's uh, that can be really heavy for sure. Yeah. Somebody else, biggest fear besides fear of the dark, of course. I, I always had the fear of um, missing out on God's plan. Like, I kind of grew up in a generation where it was like God had a plan for your life, and as long as you were obedient and you tried your hardest to listen to God, that He would have this plan. And so I, I kind of had this fear built in me that, you know, if I wasn't paying close enough attention, that I'd miss out. Or if I made this decision about my future, that um, that maybe wasn't right or wasn't part of God's plan, then my whole future would be messed up from here on out. So, you know, that was one of my fears. So, what do you think, Hunter? Do you have one of your biggest fears? I mean, fire. I mean, definitely <laughs> afraid of fire. Um, that doesn't fit well with our group because we light a lot of things on fire. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that was me, Kinsey. <laughs> that was me, too. Is that like a figurative fire? Like you're afraid of the heat of pressure? Or is it like real, actual fire that McKinsey's throwing at you? Uh, more like open flame. Okay. Like, you know, yeah, like yeah. a fire pit, you know, I'm afraid of. But like, I'll start thinking about all the ways I could possibly fall into the fire pit. Oh, yeah. Or have it light other stuff on fire. <laughs> no, I, no, actually <laughs> not. Like, that, that was me until I was probably 13 years Yeah, so. I don't really mind like, like the homemade flamethrowers or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's, well, that's good. it's that's when we like light a fire pit. Two weeks ago, <laughs> when there's like a fire pit and you know there it's dark out, you know, and there's something in front of me I could trip and over and you know fall into the fire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know all the thoughts. Right. No, that makes sense. Good. Good. Mackenzie, do you have? You're like I'm fearless. I have no fear. No, honestly, my biggest fear is like something happening to the ones that I'm close to. Mm, yeah. That is. That's my biggest fear in life. Yeah, friends and family, or mostly family, or. Well, I consider my friends family. Oh, there you go. Yeah, one and the same. 
Good answer. That was that you get your quarter for the day for that answer. Your golden star. My gold star. Yeah. All right, Emma. Did you? You have? I'm sure you have a fear of some sort. You're you're already turning red. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think failure is probably higher up on the list than those things. Okay. Like in general, or like academic failure, or letting family down, or just what? in general, I guess. Just in general. Yeah. Okay. That that can be a motivator. So yeah, not all fears are are horrible and bad, but. All right, so that was kind of our warm-up question. So on the flip side of this, okay, this, we're going to get a little deeper, right? So be prepared. That's scary. Um, right, what is your measure of success? So like, if you're like, if I can just do this, I'll be a success in life. Or if I can just get to this place in life, then, then I, will be, I, will, I can measure that as success. Um, so yeah, what do you think? If I can lead one person to Christ, mm-hmm. then I've succeeded. Nice. That's good. Well, that kind of takes my uh, answer a little bit there. <laughs> my, you know, Golden Star Sunday School. Right. You know, the Sunday perfect school answer. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, just being able to change one person's life in a meaningful way, whether it's, you know, bringing them to Christ or some other way. Yeah. Know. Nice. Um, Having some sort of lasting effect on somebody. Yeah. 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 Even just being able to... Do something that'll steer their life in a good direction would always be you know, high up there. Yeah. Very cool. I think that's on my list as well, but I just want to be able to look back and see people that I've helped in, in their lives. Um, I, like, I also have different goals for different parts of life, though. I obviously have, like, kind of regimented direct sports goals. Yep. But just in general, in life, that's probably it. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I think mine's probably just being able to, like, say that I took care of the ones close to me. Like, sure. making sure that they're all comfortable and happy. Yeah. That's how I made it in life. That's what it, that's it. That's how it that's is. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know for, for me as a teenager, um, so the, my measure of success, it was going to college, right? I was going to be the first one in my family to make it to college. Um, and then being able to support a family, like, it was kind of one of those... Uh, male ex- expectations in the family that uh, you get a job that's able to support a family. So by that measure, I'm already a failure. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so that, yeah, that measure of success hasn't served me well <laughs> thus far. But good, that's excellent, you guys. Um, all right, so here's a here's kind of a fun question. This is fairly open ended. Um, kind of sky is the limit for the most part. Um, if you could redesign church, so let's say. Like, we, we shut Eastside Baptist down completely, and Pastor Charlie came in, and he's like, all right, so we're going to redesign this church entirely, and the youth group is in charge, right? So we're talking, like, schedule, what it looks like on a Sunday, is it even going to be on a Sunday? So if you guys could totally redesign it to where it's like, this is, like, going to be the coolest place ever, this is where everybody's going to want to be, what would that look like? You could redesign church from the ground up. It's a really tough question because it's such a broad scope of things you could do. Yeah, yeah. For starters, I would repaint the kids' rooms. Because they're a horrendous shade of yellow. <laughs> the crazy yellow color. I know, right? Um, but honestly, I think having something more here during the week that would probably be more along the lines of community outreach. Mm. Like, I know we have our various programs like the the clothes closet once a month. Um, but I just feel like you can always 
be more open to the community. Right. So like this would be a more happening place seven days a week instead of just one day a week. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do have a lot of good programs, but I feel like most of them are once a month or every couple of weeks. Right. And just even something once a week would be a step in the right direction. That's not on a Sunday. Right. Right. Would you guys keep the same design for like the service? Like at this point, it's you know you meet, you sing a few songs, then you go off in your general directions, whether you're kids or adults or teens, and then you do your thing there, and then when it's all done, you meet back up and go have lunch. Like, would you guys change what that would look like? I mean, I know the church used to have like uh, I think it was three songs at the beginning and then two at the end. Whether now we have one, so add more worship songs. Okay. Between. And just because that's a part of the church I kind of enjoy. Right. Um, yeah. I definitely want to, you know, just on a practical level, I definitely want to, you know, do up the, you know, sanctuary a little bit more. You know, <laughs> but besides the point of that, I mean, details, yeah. I mean, we always have that, like, section of prayer at the beginning yeah. of the service, which would be cool to see the youth stay for that. Oh, okay. Uh -oh. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys would totally flip on its head or get rid of entirely? Like, yeah, this just isn't suiting us. It's not really doing much. We could get rid of it. I don't really think so. Yeah. Um, I kind of like what Hunter said about the youth staying for the prayer service. And, like, I go to a Catholic school, and so there's mandatory mass, and I've kind of started to enjoy the Catholic liturgy, and I obviously wouldn't have, yeah. like, it's a Baptist church, we're not going to go that far. Right, right, right. But, like, maybe a little more of just the ritual that you do every week. Yeah. I, I, I miss that, too. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Like, there's I feel like they've gone too far with it. Right. But on the other hand, some of it is nice. Yeah, the tradition. It, there's a certain feel to it. I, I appreciate that. That's cool. Mackenzie's over there like, yeah, if I could bring my horse, I'd be good. Yeah, maybe a hitching post out front. I think we need more fire. You know? <laughs> more, more, more pyrotechnics during the service. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Good. Emma, did you have anything? <laughs> Not really. Okay, that's funny. I think that we could like maybe include the younger kids a little bit more. Oh, yeah, they're I kind of like, entirely separate, huh? Yeah, I feel like they get thrown into their own like section of the church, and then we never see them. Yeah, before the service even starts, they're just they're gone. Yeah, yeah. over that. <laughs> you gotta include them more. They're so yeah, cute. They it's need true. To be included. It does feel like the kids have their own church, and then everybody else has. Yeah, the last church I went to was a church plant off of Springfield Faith Center. Right. And there was the kids. Like, the, no matter the age, stayed in the service for the first three songs yep. before the sermon, and then they went off to their classroom. Yeah, that's pretty That was kind yeah, of the that was nice. Too. Yeah. Well, then, as a little kid, you kind of learn what church exactly. looks like, and yeah, for sure. Okay, that was good. All right, um, here's, here's one that's kind of attached to that. So let me preface this with um, the, the question itself, and then we can get into it. But um, if you, what do you wish that the church knew about you Either you as a person, or you as a generation, or as like teenagers. Uh, you know, when I was a teenager, um, you know, I went to a fairly like a medium-sized country church. They were pretty supportive of the youth, which was really great. Um, but I always felt like the youth were kind of misunderstood by the the greater congregation. Um, you know, it's like I, we always kind of wished that like we could be more a part of church, that we had something to offer, that. You know, like we had this youth room that was outside of the church and we we're kind of our own little entity, but, um, you know, we always wished that the rest of the church understood like we, that we liked more upbeat music and that, um, you know, like that there was more to, um, 
you know, the, the, the elements of the, the, the grape juice and the bread and the final, last, you know, the Last Supper sort of thing than just taking the little stale piece of bread and the, you know, and the grape juice and doing that. Like, we kind of wanted to experience the full impact of the Passover, you know, that sort of thing. So if the church, if you um, could tell the church one or two things about being a teenager, what you struggle with, what you wish they knew about you, what might that be? I agree with what you said about the music. Um, there's definitely, just that's something that church has always kind of been a little behind on, is yeah. just different styles of music and accepting that. I think our church does a good job with communion and explaining the significance of that and observing that. Um, this maybe isn't specific to our church, but I feel like the elder generation of Christians kind of sees Gen Z is this more fallen generation. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying we're not, but there's also maybe a little bit of prejudice that we automatically just don't care as much. Right. Like the apathy. Like they assume yeah. you have a lot of apathy. Which is true. We are the most apathetic religion when it comes, or apathetic generation, generation when it comes to religion. But I wish, I feel like there's kind of just an assumption that we're all that way. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it always seems like with every new generation, that's kind of the complaint. Like, I'm a Gen X kid, and so when Generation X came around, we are all like, oh, you know what, the, the most of the elder folk in the church think that we're just the worst ever, and <laughs> like, like, they were all uh, yeah. aimless and don't have any goals in life, and then... You know, when the millennial generation came around, they're like, oh, you know, the elder portion of the church, they just can't stand us because we're so this way or that way. And um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that, you know, the, the intolerance between generations can be really hard. So, yeah, I appreciate that for sure. What other things? What do you wish the church knew about either you as a person or you as a generation, you as a teenager? Yeah, I think that... The fact that we want to help in the church and we want to be useful, but we don't always know how. Right. Sometimes we need opportunities put in front of us, you know, instead of just waiting, I guess, for us to branch out and make connections, because sometimes we can't do that. Yeah. Like, you're kind of seeing it as, like, you wish that some of the leadership in the church would reach out to you and pull you into some sort of ministry and be like, hey, Hunter, I really want you to come and try this out. Is yeah, that... which, I mean... They've done a fine job of that with me personally, but you mm -hmm. know, just as yeah, a whole. The rest of the group. Yeah. Yeah, I think part sense. of that is um, our church has had an unusually high turnover rate in youth pastors. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we're all hoping you stay for a yeah, while. Yeah, which by the way, I'm leaving in two weeks, so good luck for the next day. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, well. I scared you off already? <laughs> oh, man, you scared me off a long time ago. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I'm amazed you haven't lit me on fire yet. Uh, so there's I, still time. <laughs> is that a challenge? <laughs> no. Don't take it as a challenge. But I feel like that there's just no permanent spokesperson for the youth in the leadership probably has had something to do with that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, the the consistency and that sort of thing. Yeah, it, I, I think it's interesting because I'm in the unique position where I span the two generations a little bit. So I'm in church leadership, but I'm also part of the youth. Um, and I think um, what I'm seeing is that both groups are kind of afraid of each other. You know, like the adults are like, oh man, 
um, I really wish the youth would get more involved. And the youth are like, oh man, I really wish the adults would involve us in things. And you're, you know, everybody's kind of afraid to approach each other in, you know, in that sort of thing. And and that's not a new problem either. I mean, that was kind of the case when when I was a young person too, where, um, you know, the the adults in the church. They, if you guys think the adults are afraid of you now, they were afraid of Gen X kids like crazy. Like they they all thought we were like devil worshippers that were black and sack our pants really low and. Uh, you know, we're a bunch of gangbangers, and, and I was a country kid, right? We're so, even worse hippies. Yeah, even, those dirty hippies. I know. Scary. You saw Jesus, right? Yeah, Revelation, all those dirty hippies. But um, yeah, no, I, I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from, Hunter, on that one. So, yeah. Anybody else? Things that you wish people knew, either from a homeschool perspective, which is unique, or a country perspective. I don't know. I agree, but like just being able to expect more out of us. Ah. Um, like I feel like they look so down upon us. Right. I mean, I was here a couple weeks ago, and I had held a door for someone, and that person could have sworn like I just saved a newborn child. <laughs> <laughs> they looked at Leo like, whoa. They hold doors open. They thought it was incredible that I went out of my way to hold their door, and I'm yeah. like, you know. We can do more than just sit here. <laughs> yeah. Part of that, though, is the expectation that's set for you by the rest of your generation. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. Anything else? I think that if the, the generation got together on the same page, and then they would be able to do a lot more than they are. And I think they'd be able to change the expectation of their generation. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, next question. All right, so this one is going to be a little deeper, a little bit more vulnerable. You guys will have to dig a little bit more for this one. But um, what do you guys feel that either generationally or personally is the one thing that's holding you back uh, from really like getting on fire, like really being a part of things? And, um, you know, kind of stepping into youth leadership and, and that sort of deal. What, what, what do you think is it? Could be could be fear of rejection. It could be peer pressure. You know, what do you think that one thing would be? Like if you get rid of that, you'd be like, I will be totally sold out. Time commitment. Um, like if, I'm just super busy. If I could, if I had more time in the day, I would be more involved. You know, what do you think that would be? I'm not really sure there is anything. Partially, that's going back to we don't have very many programs during the week, right. which is when we're all busy. And most of the people I know don't work on Sundays. So going to a church where most of the activity is centered on Sunday, I don't think that that's really something holding most people back. Right. You know, like from a youth pastor perspective, and you know, this is just like, the 10,000 foot perspective where I'm looking down saying, oh, here's a problem, here's an issue. Um, you know, I see like sports, sports is a great thing. It teaches discipline, fitness, all these things, but it also, at least feel like I'm in, in contest with sports. It's like, I, you know, this, you know, last summer was really great. I feel like we really jived as a group, we grew a lot, and then fall sports hit and I lost like half the group. It was like, boom, they were gone. And, Sorry. You know, <laughs> no, and, and, How and, dare I, you? Yeah, I think sports is an amoral thing. I think it has a moral good or a moral bad. Um, but it always feels like I'm in contest with it. So, you know, it's like, if I could just, like, 
you know, and it didn't used to be that way. I feel like sports, when I was a kid, like you could um, go to church on Sunday. They didn't have game law on Sundays. Um, you know, they, they practiced like three nights a week maximum because they realized that kids have lives outside of sports. Um, you know, they traveled on Fridays for games. They didn't have games on the weekends because family time and church, right? I mean, that's the way sports used to be. And now it's like games are on Sundays. You practice five to six days a week. And if you miss a practice, you don't play the game on Sunday, right? And so there's, you know, definitely that. But, you know, that, that just is kind of my perspective as far as what's holding back. When I was a, when I was a youth, the thing that always held me back from really jumping into it was peer pressure. Like, I just always felt like I was going to be judged by my peers if I raised my hands in worship or if I answered a question or if I just really, you know, got into prayer or something like that. I was always kind of self-conscious kid, you know, and I always felt like if I could get rid of that, then I could really just dive into it. So what, what do you guys think? What, would, what might that be for you? Well, I think, like, it's kind of hard to, like, really pin down, like, what would exactly be holding us back because I think that if we knew what was holding us back from, you know, going all in, then I think, and that brings up the question, would it, would it be holding us back if we knew what it was? You know? oh, it's like, great. I think half the battle is kind of locating what, A, what's holding you back, and then the other half is what am I going to do about it? Right. Whether it's, you know, raising your hands in church or that kind of thing or prayer or that. You know. Yeah, and all those are, like, symptomatic of the heart condition. I know that, like, raising your hands doesn't actually make you an amazing Christian or anything. But it makes you a Pentecostal. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> or if you go halfway up, you're a Baptist. If you go all the way up, you're a Pentecostal, right? So. Um, anyway, yeah, that's a that's a hard one. I I think anybody else have something that they want to say about the thing that would hold them back? For me, I feel like it's maybe a little bit of lack of opportunity. Ah. Like I run sound and audio visuals once a month. I'm on rotation for that. I have a with the clothes closet sometimes. Um, like there's the Cuba trip. I'm all in for that. Uh, next spring break on our missions trip. But I don't really know if there's too much else that I can get involved in. Okay. So do you feel limited by your age or just by general opportunity? I just feel like I don't hear about very many service opportunities in our church specifically. Interesting. Cool. The, so the two girls that are in the room, do you ever feel that your gender holds you back from opportunities? Or do you think that it just gives you different opportunities? I don't think it holds back. In fact, I don't, not really. But I think it does offer different opportunities in a way. Like um, in, the, in the nursery, for example, it's mostly females that work in it. Right. But it's not limited to that. Um, I know that Awanas, there's two male leaders in Sparky's maybe, I think. Yeah. But everybody else... Games yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's not very many. And I know Mackenzie wants to be a preacher someday, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> public speaking. It's like the opposite of what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's my prophetic word for you. So you, you don't have work, a choice. It's gonna happen. I want to work with animals, not people. 
You know, there's um, surprisingly little difference between the two sometimes, but yeah. No, okay, so this one's a fun especially question. Especially teenagers. Yeah, especially. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, the theory on that one. Um, so this one's a fun question. Um, you can give me a Sunday school answer if that's what's in your heart, or you can give me the, the real answer, you know, It'll make more sense here in a second. If you could ask God for one thing. So God came, he hung out in the room, he's like, hey, cool, you guys are doing a podcast. Um, and he, he came, he's like, all right, you know, Micah, you know, what is the one thing? If you want, I could give you one thing, right? Like, I'm going to be the genie for a second here. Um, you, you get one thing, the sky's the limit, and you get it. Like, it's guaranteed. What would that one thing be that... And the answer can't be a hundred more wishes because that's against the genie rule. Um, as if you've watched Disney, it's against the rule. So, uh, but yeah, what, what would that one thing be? You know, I'll, I'll get it kicked off. For me, that one thing would be that I would be an amazing uh, guitar player, right? And I know, like the Sunday school answer would be like an amazing worship leader, and uh, which would be cool. But um, I played guitar for like I think thirty some years at this point. I'm just not good. Like, I, I enjoy it. I can get to a certain level, but, like, I have peaked and plateaued um, as far as that goes. And some of it is effort. <laughs> Definitely. Like, if I tried harder, it would be better. But if God came in the room and be like, you know, I can give you one thing, be like, immediately become an amazing guitarist. And, and that would be my thing. So well, what would it be for you guys? You know, Hunter would be, like, the next... Caesar Milan dog trainer, right? Like you have your own dog training show. <laughs> I'm sure I'm trying to that up until this moment. I thought Caesar Milan was a chef. <laughs> <laughs> well, could be both. I don't know. Dog trainer and chef. Yeah. What do you think? Mackenzie would be what, like a stunt daredevil that has yeah, infinite so lives. Much. Like you become a cat with nine lives and a stunt person. No. No, honestly, mine would probably just be like for my family to have like the most comfortable life for. Oh yeah, like they could have their own like giant property. Oh yeah. In Eastern York or like in Montana or something, right? You have your own horse ranch. You can get like all family. the dirt bikes they want. Right. Yeah, just like awesome. your family castle, right? Uh, castle. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they call that a cult, by the way. I want my family to be a cult. I think that's what history has taught us happens when families do that. But, but it's a cool wish, by the way. So um, good for you. Go ahead and pray for that one. Um, anyway, who else has a, <laughs> a wish? If they, one thing that you could ask from God, what would it be? I mean, I'd like to be like the Sunday school answer kid who says wisdom, just to be smart about that. <laughs> the but, Solomon kid, yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, what would it be? I'd like to be the best at something. Oh, okay. Doesn't like a virtuoso pianist? Like the, the most amazing piano player in the world? Sure. Yeah, no, that would be cool. I like it. Like, just automatically. Like, you don't have to practice anymore. Yeah. It's just there. That would be really nice. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a good genie wish. Definitely. I mean, to be the best in the world at something, you know, that's always... Yeah. Seems ideal, at least. You know. but or, the, or the first to do something. That would be cool. Yeah. 
I always thought it'd be cool to be able to have gills like a fish <laughs> and be able to breathe underwater. I don't know. I, I just think yes, that would be, that would, that would be right? great. Micah, yeah, the swimmer. The in swimmer the in the room says that would be awesome. <laughs> you just have, I think they had a movie called like World Aquatic or something where the guy had gills. That sounds like a really bad 80s movie. It was, it was really bad. It had a famous actor and it was one of his worst movies. But um, yeah, I think that would be super fun. That There's got to be a better way to breathe underwater, though. Instead of having gills, like, honestly. That's true. That would be kinda... really, one, ugly, and, oh, you know, I can think of a bunch of other things that would be better. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I was able to breathe underwater, I wouldn't care how I looked. If you left it and be able to breathe underwater in like a fish. <laughs> you need better friends. You know what's, my friends. what's interesting about this question and the question around success, so this was intentionally asked, but the, the interesting thing about those two is that oftentimes those are really similar. Like if, the question, if you could ask God for one thing and what is your definition of success? So anyway, some food for thought on that one, definitely. Um, good. Anybody else? One thing that you could ask from God? I think you guys all answered that question. At the risk of sounding like a Sunday school answer, I think I'd ask him to come back. Oh, interesting. You know, you because are actually the first solve. teenager that I've ever talked to that has asked that or answered that. Oh, really? Yeah. Why, why do you? No, I'm serious. Yeah, why would you say that? Right? <laughs> yeah, that was a fantastic <laughs> Sunday school. Beat you to it. <laughs> he just took away Emma's dream. Wow! <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, why, why would you want him to come back now, even with you as a teenager? Because, well, on the one hand, I feel like I have like all of my life left to live, but yeah. on the other hand, I wouldn't care. Right. <laughs> because that would solve all of the world's problems. Interesting. So like all the stress that you feel as a young exactly. person, all the anxiety around what are you doing with your future, all those things exactly. that I'll be Yeah. Gone. Interesting. I like that. Okay. Good. Good, good. Alright, next question. This is this is a fun one. So um and this one's kind of a big question, so it might take you a moment to think about. But I'll kind of I'll give you a warm up by explaining um, what it was for my generation. So what the question is: What is the cry of your generation, right? Um, and that's that's kind of a historical sort of thing. Um, you know, the the cry of the generation in the '70s with the the you know we just watched the Jesus Revolution movie um, was really a search for truth, right? Like that was their cry: is that they want there was a search for truth. Um, in Gen X, for us, it was um, a, a search for meaning. Like, you know, that's why they called us Gen X. X was like a giant question mark. We, nobody knew what anything meant. What's the meaning of life? Why am I even here? Like, what's the point of going to college? What's the point of planning all this stuff, right? Um, the, uh, the, the generation after us um, it was, you know, really like, like their cry was more financially based. Like, you know, everybody screwed the world up for us. Thanks a lot. Now what are we going to do? Right? You know, that was kind of that generation. So, you know, as you guys said, you know, I know it might be a little different from each of you, but, you know, with Gen Z, Generation Z, where you guys are at, um, what do you think is kind of the, the masses of your guys' generation? What are you guys crying out for? What's the battle cry that, that is kind of coming with that? I think overall um, acceptance. Oh. There's all these different kinds of backgrounds or groups of people that want to quote-unquote normalize what they do. Okay. So then they're accepting, they want the world to accept what they do as normal. Interesting. So like the, the identity piece is part of that, right? Mm -hmm. Being accepted for who you are and what 
person you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't see that, but that I couldn't think of anything, but I totally see that. Like that's like I see a lot of kids, um, and the statistics back it up that there's so many kids doing drugs. I think just like they think everybody else is doing it. That's the LGBT right. movement. That's so many things just wanting to fit in and be wanting to. Wanting to be accepted for who you are. Interesting. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Acceptance. I think, like, another thing, though, is just making it till tomorrow. Like, you talk to so many kids <laughs> in this <laughs> generation. I mean, you talk to so many kids in this generation, and none of them have a plan of what they're going to do, and they're like, you know what, just got to make it oh, till tomorrow. Yeah. Or, like, right. you ask a kid that's not doing very well in, like, classes or not having the best home life, and they're like, I just got to make it till tomorrow. Make it till tomorrow. And I think that that's honestly their goal. Like the future's overwhelming? Is that kind of... You know, yeah. Like, okay. like you don't... They don't know what's going to happen in the future, but they can just make sure and make it till tomorrow. Great. The future is overwhelming, so they choose not to think about it. I see a lot of apathy about college decisions, and that's not something you want to overly stress, but I think that's also... You need to think about the future a little bit. I agree. Right. What do you think, Hunter? I mean, you, you go to a public high school, so you're in the thick of it, right? Well, I think just along the lines of I know, what you mentioned about the uh, Jesus Revolution movie that we saw recently, you know, the thing about the, you know, hippie movement is these people were, you know, seeking Jesus, I think, in a way. And um, I don't think this generation necessarily seeks Jesus, but they seek... Um, they seek a version of Jesus that's essentially what they want God to be. Right. You know, like, I'm not going to focus on this part of the Bible or this part of the Bible because I want God to be comfortable for me, you know. And it's like... Making God fit in their own perspective. Right. And the gospel is an uncomfortable message. And that fits along with the acceptance points, right? Like, do you think, do you think that um, God would be more palatable to your generation if they felt like God would accept them for who they were. Like, that God wasn't going to ask them to be anything except for what they felt like they were at that moment. Probably. Yeah. Because if they... Because part of the accepting of Jesus is giving away your old life, right? So if they didn't have to do that, there's no risk but all the reward to gain. There's no more... Um, it's like the, it's easier for a camel to fit through an eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven because they don't want to give up anything. I think for a lot of kids, it's not necessarily what they see. I feel like a lot of kids just know, at least at the Catholic school, know that, or think they know that God would accept from them for who they are, but they don't accept that because they don't think the church would accept them for who they are. I feel like that's a big part of it. Do you think that the your guys' generation sees the church and God as the same thing? You know, like when you say that they might be more comfortable if they felt like the church accepted them, you know, when we're talking about, you know, would they feel more comfortable if they felt God accepted them? Do you think they see it as one as one and the same? Sure some people do. It's probably not all, but I think certainly a majority. Mm -hmm. Do you think that 
that in this generation God's more accepting or the church is more accepting at this point? Like, I think it depends on where you go. I mean, it depends in, on the church and the society. Well, I think the reason I think kids do mix up church and God because I think the reason they do that is because the church a lot of times tries to play God, right? In the sense of like they try to be the the church tries to be the ones who judge, you know. And it's really not the church's fault, you know. It's uh, God's God's responsibility with that person once they come to Him. So. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like um, it's harder to be forgiven by the church than to be forgiven by God. You know, and, and, and I think, you know, my generation, that was definitely an issue with us is that, you know, obviously the church is supposed to be the hands and feet of God, right? Like the, the outreach, but um, we're also supposed to be just as forgiving and accepting as God is. And I think, you know, uh, perhaps we've fallen short on that. And your guys' generation is showing some of the effects. Um, you know, I, I know that um, statistically, there are more people from Gen Z that are walking away from church when they graduate high school than ever before. Um, there are also more people from Gen Z that are starting their own churches that are unique and more accepting and maybe a little bit more liberal in their theology than, you know, and they're not coming back to their home churches when they are finishing college and things like that. So it's interesting. It's a good perspective. It's not one I would have seen apart from you guys. So. Anyway, all right, we're going to wrap it up because we are uh, past our 30-minute mark. But thank you guys for being open and willing to do it. We will yep. do it again and um, offer a, a perspective there. Um, it'll be fun to see all the comments that people post. So anyway, um, God bless and take care, you guys.